The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. And TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network, and presented by the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We're also sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when you use promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. Also in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all of your e-juice for your vape using the promo code JKPODCAST. You can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TB Talk Pod. As always, I am Big Joe. I'm Carl Carafell. All right, Carl. Another week has come and gone in the professional wrestling world, and I'm coming in a little bit hot this week for our first topic. Our very first topic, ladies and gentlemen, is a little bit of a big button issue, not <laughs> just between us, but... Within the majority of the wrestling world, you have those that are on one end of the spectrum and those who are on the entirely different end of the spectrum. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be talking about Saudi Arabia and the super showdown that happened there. Specifically, we are only going to be touching on one match that is... Goldberg versus <laughs> The Undertaker and a little bit of a lost bet. Big Joe, why don't you take that away first and let us know about this bet <clears throat> that was <laughs> So like you said, my issue with this whole thing is twofold. Not only did uh, you know I have a chance to witness, in my very humble opinion, one of the worst executed matches I think I've ever seen, and I lost a taco bet to the host of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, Jargo, um, so yeah, my issue is twofold. The, the taco bet, I can, I can, uh, I can eat that. Uh, you know, when, uh, I end up being Jargo the first time I'm going to be buying him and I a taco meal, which I, that's, that's going to not be a good thing, but I digress on that. Taker versus Goldberg in Saudi Arabia, Carl. Um, I don't know where to start with this. I mean, just on every level, I think the best way I can come and sum it all up here is I think that at the end of the day, it just makes both guys just personally and professionally look bad on every level. Normally I am the one that is always in a disagreement with big Joe on this situation. I have to agree. I mean, you, you have two guys. I mean, they're clearly past their prime. The, um, you know, we, we hear this blood money uh, phrase that keeps coming up. You know, in this particular scenario, you know, it, it's hard to kind of argue against that being the, the case. I can understand wanting a payday at the same time. But, you know, I mean, especially Goldberg didn't look like he even belonged in there, Carl. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what had happened. I know that um, if you did watch the match, or even if you didn't, I'll run through super quick with you, just uh, my, my view on it here. I think Goldberg was actually concussed before he actually got out to the ring. I heard that, yeah. I think that is where the issue comes in. Um, you could visibly see that Goldberg, um, I don't know if he headbutted the door, the wall, or whatever he did behind the yeah. scene, but he had a cut on his on his head as he came out. They did the classic Goldberg entrance, security in the back, banging on the door. Goldberg mm. comes out, security walks with him. Goldberg was already hurt. Mm. Into what capacity... No clue, but I believe, in my opinion, he was concussed and hurt before the match even started, which hurt the match itself. There was potential for this to be good. Yeah. But I think the reason for it is because Goldberg was hurt. See, now that I think back on it too, when um, his music kind of started playing, I mean, typically, I mean, it, this is a an entrance that's been done several, several times. And to my best recollection, I, I think that they pretty much hit that cue on the nose almost every time. Now, I don't know if it's because maybe he knocked himself out in the dressing room, but you could tell like the music played and I think almost got to the end before he even stepped out of there. So I don't know if maybe he knocked himself out or, or what happened because, I mean, yeah, he came out. I don't want to say that he looked kind of groggy, but, I mean, you could visibly see that, you know, something had happened. And, you know, just from there, I guess the rest, rest is history. Both of them came very close to, quite frankly, killing each other. Um, that jackhammer from Goldberg that turned into kind of like a brain buster almost literally. And then that tombstone, man, I, I got visions of uh, Owen Hart and Stone Cold on that one to see his head yeah, bounce I, off the I, ring. <laughs> I, I am 100% I did too. Oh. Um, the jackhammer itself, I, I, again, I, I'm the type of person and I'm very different than you. You find the negative in absolutely everything. Uh, no, not all is on purpose, but sometimes it works out that way. I try to find the good things that come of it. Mm-hmm. And I try to find some sort of positive. Yep. Unfortunately, this, I don't think that there really is a positive. But I think the the reasoning for it is because Goldberg was hurt. I, I, I'm going to continue to go back to that absolutely every time because I want to believe that there was something else that happened that mm-hmm. caused this type of a situation. Um, one thing with this too, I think, you know, outside of the Saudi prince there, was there really anybody calling for or, or wanting or calling for this match? I mean, I mean, even on this podcast, I don't think that we ever even entertained it as, you know, something that we were looking forward to or even as a dream matchup. I don't think, did we, I don't recall us even mentioning this. I don't know if we've ever mentioned it on air, mm-hmm. but I would say 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Like Goldberg was the huge name that was there. And yeah. then you had The Undertaker as another big name within the WWE, Goldberg with WCW. No doubt. So, of course, that would have been a dream match 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Um, unfortunately, not now. And more power to the guys. I understand. Clearly, both guys, I mean, especially Undertaker, you know, they want to not give up. You know, it was just one more, just one more. You can tell the guy's obviously addicted to professional wrestling, and I, and I totally get it. At some point, though, you need to say, that's enough. 
for lack of a better term there. You got to notice when to say when. And, and I think that that time has come and gone multiple times now. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's it's hard, though, because, I mean, once that's in your blood, that's it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it, yeah. There, right? Yeah. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people will uh, say that they will die in the ring. Like, that's how, like, that's that's their dedication to it. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right at the same point. I mean, if you physically cannot do it anymore and, and you run that risk of injury or death to yourself in the ring, don't put yourself into that type no. of a situation. And my biggest issue with this whole thing, Carl, is if this is actually Undertaker's last match, what a bad way to go out on. You know, and we've talked about this before where we were afraid, you know, this is going back multiple WrestleMania's back. We were like, well, we know Undertaker's going to have a match. And we were hoping that it wasn't going to be bad because we didn't want to see him go out on a bad note. That's the situation here. And unfortunately, it wasn't even a WrestleMania. You know, so, oh, it just it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And if this, this is his last ride, I am so disappointed. But this show was equivalent or better than WrestleMania. Um, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, will this be The Undertaker's last match? Uh, no. Yeah. No, they will not allow that to be his his last legacy that's left in the world of professional wrestling and the WWE. It will not happen. We will see The Undertaker back in the ring one more time. Hopefully, it's going to be a situation where him and his opponent can actually work together for a while and get things down to a science and then go out with a bang. You know what they need to do? Now that uh, a particular match has happened, I think it's a good model to follow. If you go find this match to watch, uh, it was excellent. And I'm talking about James Storm versus Cole Cabana for that uh, North American uh, NWA title. The match was about 50 minutes long, and it was all character stuff. There were maybe, uh, in the first half of the match, there may have been like a headlock. It was all just character stuff and all that. If Undertaker has one last match, it has to be a less is more type of approach. And I really mean a less is more. And they really, I mean, this match itself with Goldberg really was that. Mm-hmm. You you saw Undertaker do his signature moves and, you know, he did the, uh, he did the choke slam yep. a couple times. He did the um, uh, old school where he walks the rope. Yep. He did the tombstone, right? Like, I mean, he did his regular, they even tried the spot where Goldberg tried to go for the tombstone and yeah, you know, that they, work. they totally flip over yeah. and then Undertaker's got him, which unfortunately was, was botched. Um, but yeah, like, like that's exactly what this was. This was just a less is more. They had essentially it was a dot, dot, dot spot fest, right? Clearly. But, yeah. But for this, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You started out with Goldberg getting in two spears. That's Goldberg. Yeah. Then Goldberg tried to hit a jackhammer. That's Goldberg. You had Taker try his signatures and finisher. That's Taker. And then, like, the match was done. Mm-hmm. So you're right. That's exactly what needs to happen. I think it needs to be better laid out mm-hmm. next time and worked better before the match happens. You know who I want to see finally retire the undertaker. And I think I may have suggested on this podcast before, and he is currently working for WWE backstage. I believe that that's still the case. I'm going to put it out there that I would want 
abyss to face the undertaker in his last match. You have two guys whose careers very much mirror each other in different promotions to come together and have one last match for both guys, have it be the send off for both of them. What a, what a swan song. What a, what a nice way to send both guys off. I think that would be perfect at WrestleMania. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely WrestleMania. Awesome. That'd be a great mid, you know, maybe even, uh, semi-main event type of match at WrestleMania. I think that would be awesome. That That's uh, my pitch. So if that happens, I want credit for that idea. Send the check to uh, Turnbuckle Doc, please. And thank you. you. You have that match as the third <clears throat> blast. Yes, perfect. It's going to start your like fourth or fifth hour, whatever you're going to be doing that year. That's it. what's going to start that hour. You do Taker versus Abyss. Then you have your you know, co-main event. Then you have your main event. That's it. I dig it. I really dig it. Speaking of digging things, next thing up is John Moxley winning the U.S. IWGP title from Juice Robinson. Did you have a chance to catch this one, Carl? I have not had the opportunity oh. to watch oh. this yet. Um, Damn. I'm hearing that oh, it goodness. was phenomenal, though. Oh, just... Um, and if you have a chance as well, make sure and catch the backstage promo from Juice Robinson. Wow. You could tell that the beast has been unleashed. C.J. Parker is dead, and Juice Robinson is out to kick some ass now. Um, I don't think that this is necessarily heel turn from Juice. I think this is just him cranking up the intensity. Thank you to, to John Moxley for that. And just a, a hard-hitting good match from these guys. Really, really it good was, stuff. It was a, a little bit of a longer match from what I'm seeing as well. I'm seeing like different YouTube videos are showing <laughs> full match, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Give and take, you know, five to seven minutes for entrance and exits and yep. stuff like that. So, I mean, you're still looking at a, a solid 20-minute match yep. out of these two. And especially, they're, they're, they're two younger guys who can – I say that lightly. <laughs> they're yep. two younger guys who can still go in the ring and put on a good show and clearly from what i'm seeing from what i'm hearing from the uh iwc like everywhere i i'm i'm seeing that this was a huge contender for match of the year so Absolutely. far yep if you uh, like i said if you have a chance to, to check it out make sure and check it out you, you are um not going to be sorry now quick question for you yes are you okay with moxley just leaving the WWE and now coming in, doing this stuff with AEW, making waves over there. Now New Japan Pro winning the U.S. title belt over there, like mm-hmm. super quick. Yeah, very quick. All of this is happening with Moxley. My question is, do you feel that this is going to burn Moxley out and only have him as a fad or phase? Mm. Or do you think that there can be some longevity to this, given how big of a push he is getting immediately. Because we know too that, um, you know, after Dominion has happened here, that he's going to be involved in the G1 as well, which I mean is a grueling tournament. I think that the goal here is that he, well, stepping back a bit too, when you go and watch this match with Juice, he comes out very uh, similar to his WWE entrance coming uh, down through the crowd like they did with the Shield. I think that the goal here is that he wants some time to kind of redefine who he is as a professional wrestler before the big uh, lights come on for uh, AEW and uh, the weekly TV show and all that goes along with that, with uh, All Out and everything. I think he wants to really kind of redefine and reinvent himself. I think that that's the uh, the overall plan or the goal here. 
So, to answer my question, mm-hmm. do you think that this is too much? Do you think he's just no. going to become fizzled out? I don't think so. I don't think so. So now, what what, what happens if if he he starts winning more and starts getting more championships and you know, like he's getting all of this push immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you not feel that people are going to become disinterested in John Moxley because he's been he's being pushed into everybody's face right now? Don't get me wrong here. I love John Moxley. Yeah. I really do. Um, but I personally, I feel that they're 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 giving too much of a focus on him right now, which is going to hinder in the long run. And he's doing stuff for some other promotions as well that I've been seeing. And I, I, I see what you're where you're going with this. I think you could run into almost the the Lucha Bros kind of situation where they're just overexposed, where you see them everywhere, and you get to, you see too much, and then it kind of it's like okay, it's there's such a thing as as seeing too much of somebody, and then you start catching on to everything that's going on, and it can get boring and it can get stale when you see too much, you know. And that's one of the complaints that we have about WWE: the same guys week to week to week to week to week. So there is that danger, but. In, in New Japan, you know, they're pretty clever with their booking and how they lay things out. I think that, you know, I don't see him winning the tournament, but I think he's going to put over a lot of the talent over there. And, and I also think that that's another main goal to to get these guys over, and, you know, and reinvent himself at the same time. All right. Because, I mean, Mission Accomplice with Juice, right? You listen to that promo. Yeah, Juice lost. But, wow, did he ever get put over in that match? Perfect. So going from that to, I think it's going to be, this is going to be an interesting topic because I have talked about this with a few of our other wrestling friends here and the response definitely seems to be fairly mixed here. So thanks to AEW Double or Nothing, I personally have been introduced to probably one of my favorite new professional wrestlers in the business and I am talking about Mr. Orange Cassidy. Now, have you had a chance to, other than Double or Nothing, have you seen any of his work? I have not. Oh, wow. So, you got a chance to see a little bit of a Double or Nothing. You know, he does the the hands in the, in the pocket. You know, they're very much like the sloth type of character where it's very kind of slow motion. It's, it's very comedy-based. And I think that what's happening with this is yeah, he's doing a lot of it in a lot of different promotions, but I think people are just seeing that part. So... If you want to really see what this guy's all about, check out a match with him and um, what's her name from? She does the, the, the smiling character, Kylie, uh, Kylie Ray. Uh, he did a match with her that actually ended up really getting really technical, and you know he went past all this kind of sloth stuff. Like it was an intergender match with her. I think it was for Beyond Wrestling. I think it was the promotion. And dude, this guy can work in the ring. I'll take your word for it right now. People only see the comedy aspect, which I, I, I'm. People might find hard to believe. I'm a big fan of what he's doing, but when it comes to actually having to wrestle in the match, wow, wow, this guy can go. I'm impressed. I can see why Cody and the Unbucks were interested in him. Now I, I, I get it. So, with this whole comedy thing that he's doing, yep. Do you think that it's too much? Is he over? Is is that comedy overshadowing his actual in ring ability? I think it depends on the scenario and who the match is with. Okay. So I mean, if you're going to do a match with like Cole Cabana, or uh, I'm going to blow uh, Jargo's mind if he does a match with um, um, what's his name or Toriyanu in, J- in New Japan. 
Um, you know, that's obviously going to be mainly a comedy over the top shtick kind of match. But when you get with a, like a technical wrestler, like say like a Jordan Grace or like a Kylie Ray, you know, he's going to have to wrestle in that match, and he is more than capable of it from from what I've seen. Okay, but you're somebody who actually takes a look and sees <clears throat> the technical in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Continuing on with this gimmick that he has, um, I'm kind of just taking a look at a little bit of video here as we're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I see what, what kind of what you mean about this whole like hands in the pocket sloth yeah. kind of thing, right? Like yep. I'm seeing some, some uh, stuff here where he's like literally just falling like lightly into the ropes mm-hmm. and coming off and then crawling underneath somebody's legs like super slow. Yep. For me, that would be a total. I'm done. <laughs> it would be yeah. like I, 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 I get it. There needs to. Santino Morella to me did comedy good within professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey Ryan does comedy well yeah. within professional wrestling. From what I'm seeing right now, this is just this isn't professional wrestling. You're you're just wanting to be the funny kid in the class and that's it. And, and and for me, that overshadows. If you have wrestling ability, use your wrestling ability, but incorporate a little bit of comedy in there. Yeah. There's a difference between just being lazy and doing things well. Yeah. To me anyways. Yep. Like I said, the best example is that match. Uh, finally, with the one with uh, him and Kylie Ray, you know, you'll see a very high work rate, not only from uh, from him, but from her as well. Don't sleep on her; she's fantastic. She's going to do really good in, in uh, AEW as well. So, uh, to me, that that's the 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 match. I think for people that are criticizing him, go check that one out, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised what he can actually do. So, how many other matches are there like that? <clears throat> uh, there's one that he had with, uh, I can't remember who his partner was, but it was against uh, Brian Cage and Jordan Grace. That one was really good too. Okay. And he had, he had to work in that one. Because, I mean, if you're going to have a match with Jordan Grace and in uh, and Cage, you're going to have to work. So, then, you know, so, yeah, that's another one okay. to check out as well. Well, I mean, I'm always willing to give somebody a shot and take a look at different things. Yep. I if it comes to a scenario where it's a six to one odds, I'm gonna get six times of this stupid comedy crap and one time a good match. That's not good with me. Yeah, but you know, in my opinion, there's always gonna be there's a good document, uh, partial kind of documentary too on uh, on comedy and wrestling, and it has him and it uh, goes back and looks at, looks at some older wrestlers, you know, who had a very comedy based kind of. Uh, thing and i think that there's always going to be room for a few of these guys to do this so and it's one of those things too where is it everybody's cup of tea absolutely not but there is an audience out there for it and he knows that you know he gets booked in a lot of different places so he knows that there's an audience for that and he's capitalizing on that and you got to give him props for that i don't have to no but but you should no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I said, hey, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I dig it. You may not dig it. Others might not dig it. It's all good. There's different flavors. Just like there's different flavors of music, there's different flavors of, of food, movies, TVs, and professional wrestlers. Well, like I said earlier, I dig comedy and wrestling, yeah. but if it's done well, mm-hmm. 
that's that's the key to it. Joey Ryan puts comedy into his professional wrestling and does it well. But it's a good mix of his actual talent mm-hmm. and the comedy coming together. So it's melded as one. The same thing with Santino Morella. Uh, he did it so good as well. He melded the two of them together. It wasn't just a, mm-hmm. I can professionally wrestle, but nine times out of ten, I'm just going to do comedy stuff. Yeah. No, he mixed the two of them, and it was like a perfect mix of vodka and orange juice to make the most amazing screwdriver you've ever tasted. Right now... At least I am not seeing that with Orange Cassidy. Now, I am seeing that he wants to focus on just being this comedic person yeah. and not putting a focus onto the professional rest. Well, I'll put a challenge out to you then. So, like I said, that match with uh, him and Kylie Ray, sometime between now and our next episode, check out that match. And then next week we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that and we'll see if your opinion is still the same on it. I will try to watch... From YouTube, 10 different things from Orange Cassidy. Okay. And then I will be able to make a better determination. I'm not just going to watch one match that somebody says is a great Orange Cassidy match. Mm-hmm. Because that's only one match. True. Fair point. All right. So going from that, Carl, to uh, what I think could be another interesting discussion, too. Now, this is take into account... You know, the majority of the major promotions out there. And I think that, I think it is possible to make a fair assessment here that Matt Taven, the current Ring of Honor world champion, could arguably be one of the best heavyweight champions in the world right now. Is this a statement that you would agree with? Yes and no. <laughs> um, I, I do a lot on social media. I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter all the time taking a look at different things. Yes, in the aspect of uh, in-ring work, Mm -hmm. presence, stuff like that, definitely. Yes, we could say that um, he is, Matt Taven, one of the best in the business right now. The other side of that is I see a lot more from Nick Aldis. So the a championship to me right now and Nick Aldis would be the best champion in the business right now. That's so. a, that's a fair statement. And it's interesting too, that that actually ties in to the ring of honor situation because it's, um, the NWA is being heavily represented inside ring of honor, especially lately. We were talking, you know, with James Durham and Cole Cabana taking place on ring in ring of honor. You know, Nick Aldis defending the NWA title in Ring of Honor. So it's interesting that there's obviously a heavy partnership going on there, which has me wondering what could happen big picture there. But, yeah, when you look at at the landscape, you know, yeah, I mean, just as as a Ring of Honor champion, you know, he just said it feels prestigious the way that he's going about this title reign as well. I think that they're, he's doing really good work himself, but I think that they're booking him and, and lining things up the way so that that can actually happen. You know, not, we're not having the Brock Lesnar effect here. You know, he's making his presence felt on a regular basis. 
And that is a definite fair statement if you were to, uh, you know, kind of change that a little bit, as you did, and say that within Ring of Honor, he is the best champion bringing the most prestige back to that belt, right? Now, I I do have to say Jay Lethal really did as well. He carried that company for a long time. Yes, he did. Long time. Right. But now we're seeing a little bit more of a resurgence of prestige coming to that championship belt. Now, and because of uh, Matt Taven. Now, before we, we wrap up this topic, one thing to take note of too, and for those with a really discerning eye, if you go to my Facebook page, my social media page, my profile picture is a picture with me and Matt Taven at the World of Worlds show in Toronto. If you click press on the picture, zoom right in on that title belt. And for the very those with a very good discerning eye, you will see that Jay Lethal's name is still on that Ring of Honor Championship belt. So really? that is could be very telling in itself, right there, folks. That something could happen, something could be brewing behind the scenes there. As far as I know, to this day, Jay's name is still on that title belt. Wow, I'm gonna have to go back and take a look at some. Uh, uh, Ring of Honor shows over the last uh, couple of weeks and, mm-hmm. and and see if I can find that. Because even as I was getting my picture taken, Jay walked by and he goes, you know, my name's still on that belt, you know. Don't forget about that. Right from his mouth as he's walking by when the photo op is happening. He's like, don't forget. <laughs> I'm still on that belt, brother. I'm coming for you at some point. So very interesting. And uh, obviously that's a rematch I think uh, would be amazing. So, Oh, yeah, it would be. So... Once AEW television starts here, Carl, it's only a matter of time. I'm really curious to see how it's going to be executed. Who is going to be, I mean, obviously we know our, our major players, Kenny Omega, Cody, uh, MJF, and those kind of guys. Do you have a, uh, a dark horse person to watch that you think is really going to kind of make some noise that many people aren't expecting? I've got a couple mm-hmm. from, from the, uh, uh, the guy's roster. Um, and they're, they're, they're going to be ones that people are kind of like, yeah, they're already a name, blah, 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 whatever, right? Yep. But um, Jungle Boy, one. Yep. And, and then the other one itself is somebody who's been established for quite a while, uh, but is really making a comeback in, in, in the business, Jimmy Havoc. I think you're going to see those two really shine within the company. They are definitely going to be the dark horses and they're going to rise to the top of the ranks very quickly for me on the on the men's side for me the real guy to watch and he's going to have a major platform to kind of apply his trade on i'm talking about joey janela this guy is going to he's going to have some really good feuds uh, he's, he's already got stuff going john moxley you betcha he's going to have stuff going with mjf this is a guy that's going to have a major platform to to be seen on now and he is going to make an impact there no pun intended. Now, on the women's side, it's um, the, the list is a little sparse, but uh, the, the roster is going to grow. For me, the one to watch there is, I mentioned her name earlier in the podcast, Kylie Ray. She can go in that ring. Don't let her looks or her character deceive you. She is very talented when it comes to the in-ring work, and she's going to be one that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. For myself, be a Priestley. Yes, is the one that I'm going, going to. to be really, really watching. Um, she's been in the business for a little bit mm-hmm. now, and she's really made her her way on the indies. Um, I hate using that word, the independence. Yes. Um, 
I think that she's going to be the dark horse. Yeah. Very good choice as well. Yeah. Once the, I'm so excited for weekly AEW television to start, because it's going to be a yet another alternative to WWE. As everybody knows, you know, ring of honor is my go-to show every week. Haven't watched Raw Smacked in a long time. I, I know I should occasionally drop in and kind of see what's going on there, but it, it's painful. So I, I, I try to uh, avoid it at all costs, but it'll be nice to have another weekly show to watch. So I'm yes. really looking forward to that. So coming out uh, of Double or Nothing, one thing that we didn't really get a chance to mention was that Brian Cage was looking to be part of, of that show, but apparently uh, Impact, now that this is the word, that they stop that from happening for him to, to show up there. So I'm thinking that at some point his contract, when it comes up here, where is he going to end up going? Do you think? You know, and it's interesting because we've actually talked to, to Brian before we had him on the podcast for really early on. And at that time he was working for Lucha Underground, which yeah. to the best of my knowledge, either they just flat don't exist anymore or things are really kind of in limbo there. I, I don't know. That's something I should probably look into. But where do you think Cage ends up spending, uh, like, once this is done or his contract comes up, do you see him stay with Impact, or is he going to go somewhere else? Um, okay, so if you've ever seen Brian Cage, he is a very large <laughs> He's man. the machine. Um, he is a freak of nature when it comes to the amount of muscle that this guy has on him. Dense, like he's a big guy. <laughs> So, yeah, when it comes to Brian Cage, I mean, definitely this is something that's going to be within his own head. Whatever he decides to do is what he's going to do. I mean, we can always take a look at different scenarios, but do we really need to? At this point, it just becomes kind of speculation, and we really don't know. Would we love to see Brian Cage uh, stay within Impact? Sure, because he's doing very well for himself there. But if he decides to stay independent, and go anywhere else, I would be happy with that too. And of course, there's always the, the those big three letters too. We know that he was involved with them for, for a brief amount of time. Given the higher-ups there, Triple H and Hunter, we know that they like the big guys. He's got to be on their radar again, you would think, at some point, right? Yeah, at some point, probably. Um but the landscape has changed so much, yeah. uh, you know, before he was involved in before to, to now, you know, with AEW and with independent wrestling really on the rise, you know, it, the landscape is very much different now. And WWE uh, from his own words, isn't always the, the end all, you know, he was very successful in Lucha Negro. When we talked to him, he had just bought a new car with the money yep. he was making from there. He was doing very, very well there. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he'll end up. Uh, he'll do well wherever he goes, honestly. I think at this point, when, when contracts start to come up and contracts start to end, we're going to have, and yes, I'm going to use this as a phrase, we're going to have a Joey Ryan effect going on. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to see a lot more of the uh, talent and professional wrestlers staying independent and taking bookings wherever they can get them, which in turn, will make them bigger stars and possibly allow them to get more money because they are going to become a hot ticket item. So they can charge more for appearances on other independent promotion shows. And then if somewhere like 
Impact or AEW or Lucha Underground, if it starts back up again, Ring of Honor, any of these, they can make a viable bid to say, I will come and do X amount of shows for X amount of dollars, and that's it. No contract. Yeah, and I mean, then the more promotions and then you show up, just the, the word of mouth spreads and more eyes get on you. You know, not only Cage, but even a guy we mentioned earlier, you know, with Orange Cassidy, you know, starting relatively small, but he's been appearing all over the place and that generates more interest and more places want you. And, you know, so you can make a name with your, for yourself and build up that street cred, so to speak, to, to the point where, yeah, a larger company is, is obviously going to find out about you and they're going to be interested in you. And then from there, the, the choice is yours seemingly these days. And, you know, wherever you go, you can do well for yourself. Yep. You know, the, the, the big one is Cody. Cody has proved that beyond the shadow of a doubt now that beyond WWE, not only is their life, there is a great amount of success to be had. Yeah, he definitely did. So speaking, uh, I guess we could say uh, successful, Nakamura, since coming over to WWE, you know, success-wise, well, it depends. Winning titles and whatnot, he did fairly well in NXT when he first came over. Money-wise, you know, he's done very, very well for himself. And it seems like that he's likely going to stay in WWE, but he says he has about five years left in him, and he is done with professional wrestling. Not just WWE, done with professional wrestling. I think at this point he he can do that. He can he can viably say I have done everything in the world of professional wrestling. Yep. I don't need to do any more. I want to enjoy the rest of my life. Good for him. Yeah. If that's how he decides to do it, good. Whether it's staying with WWE, whether for the 5 years that he says he has left, whether it's going to a different promotion, going mm-hmm. back to Japan, where where whatever he does. If he says five years mm-hmm. and he gets the most out of those five years and is happy at the end of it, okay, yeah, good for you. How I see his career wrapping up, you know, he's had not only a, a good successful career in professional wrestling, did very well in mixed martial arts too, by the way. If you go back, you can check out some of his work with Pride when I did very well there as well. For his wrestling career, I think that he's just, he's one of those guys that he just doesn't want to beat his body up for, for too long. You know, he, he's made his money in the, in the business, you know, regardless of where he's been and he's perfectly fine with that. And I think that once his time wraps up in WWE, it will be very close to that five year mark. He'll be almost 45 years old at that point. He'll be done with WWE. And then I do see him though, having one last match in New Japan Pro Wrestling, whether it be with a, the Tanahashi or Jushin Thunder Liger, if um, if something changes here, if he sticks around a little bit longer, I could see him having one more match with those big marquee names over in Japan and then riding off into the sunset. Again, for me, however he decides to do it, good for you, man. Yep. You, you proved that you can be successful everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Let's just hope, though, that it's an actual five years of him working, mm-hmm. and not just and not just yeah. sitting back and not being used, right? Like my wife the other day uh, had asked me, "Where where is he? 
because yeah. you don't see anything of him right now. Yeah. So I'm hoping that maybe he's just kind of sitting back, resting up a little bit, and then we're going to see a uh, comeback of sorts of Shinsuke Nakamura and have a one final good run before he calls it quits. He knew who I want to see him have that last good run with in WWE would be one of the people that trained him how to wrestle in the professional wrestling business, and that is Daniel Bryan. That would be cool. That would be a great little rivalry there to send him off on. And I would like to see him, whether it be the the WWE or whether it be the Universal title, I'd like to see him at least have one of the marquee title reigns under his belt before he leaves, though. Yeah, I mean, he's held the U.S. title a couple of times. Um, I mean, yeah, give him give him the big title <clears throat> once, even if it's just for six months. Yeah. yeah. So going from that, we had mentioned titles. You clued me into something before we hit the record button. I'm so glad that you brought it up because I honestly had no idea that this was going on. The WWE title belt, you use the term belt, apparently that's become kind of like a no-no word in professional wrestling. I don't understand yeah. why, but they're, they're, they're belts. Apparently, there's a big change going on. Velcro? What's up with, what's up with that? Yeah, I, I first noticed it a couple of weeks ago, and it, it kind of had me a little bit confused. I thought maybe that it was just, um, you know, for, for that certain show or whatever. Maybe something happened. Uh, a bag didn't show up with the belt, so they had to kind of grab something quick and do whatever. But mm-hmm. I'm noticing a lot more that, like, the NXT belt, the Universal belt, the women's belts, um, every championship title within the WWE seems to be going with Velcro as their closure system, as opposed to having the buckles and the, the, the snaps yeah. on the belts anymore. Um, for me, that don't, don't do that. For me, I, I, I want that I have, I want that sound. I want that sound of yeah. the, uh, the championship title clasping together uh, when you when you unclasp it it's got that specific sound to it that i associate that noise with a championship title belt i don't know the reasoning behind this but if you have not seen this go back and take a look like even at, at nxt 25 takeover 25 that happened mm-hmm. johnny gargano comes out and as he takes his takes the belt off and he's holding it and then the ref holds it up you 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 can see it hmm. you can literally see the velcro on the back of the belt with the one side having the uh the buckles on the outside yeah. you can see that the other side has absolutely nothing hmm. so for me it irks me no no just don't do that cuz i'm thinking back cuz i'm thinking of this so i'm like i'm looking for a reason why and, you know, recently I haven't seen a whole lot of quote unquote belt mishaps. I think the, the last time I could kind of register one was maybe Jack Swagger. He came out and he was kind of doing whatever he was doing and then the belt came off. That's the last time I could kind of think of like a, a belt mishap of the belt falling off the guy. So I'm, that can't be a reason why because I haven't seen anything like that recently. So like, are, are we cutting costs here or are we like, I don't understand the reasoning for it. Is it just WWE because these titles seem to be so irrelevant now? Is it just like of we're just trying to streamline things? Or I, I, dude, I don't get it. I, I really don't either because the, it looks like they took the time to put one side on, and then just Why gave not, up. You know, we ran out of money, folks. 
<laughs> for a leather maker who who makes the uh, yeah. the leather strap for the championship title belts, it's going to be nothing for them to put the other side on. Yeah, because they know how to do it. They've been doing it for years, right? I'm, I'm I'd be really interested to see if I can get a hold of Dave McMillan uh-huh. and find out his take on this. I wonder. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do some research and see if there is a. Uh, uh, if that question has been posed to like Dave McMillan as of yet, who is one of the greatest Premier, belt yeah. makers yeah. for professional wrestling championship title belts of all time, mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I can find something, uh, a statement from him. And if not, maybe I'm going to try to reach out to him on Twitter and see if we can get an answer for you guys. Because did he not design the AEW championship belt? If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, could be. I'm not sure. And I'm thinking too, it's with these WWE belts, it's not like we're mass producing them here. So like a cost cutting, you wouldn't think factors into it. I mean, we're only making a handful of belts here. I don't understand cheaping out on the clasps. <laughs> Just, I can't wrap my head around that idea. Yeah, I, I, I can't as well. Sounds like a Vince special to me. Yeah, I don't know. I really do not know. It's going to become the cop-out answer because, you know, we learned a little bit more with the uh, the Jericho interview with with, uh, with Moxley that I think that when we don't know quite know the answer for something, we'll just go, eh, it's, it, you know what, it's a Vince special. That's that's going to be the cop-out answer. And we're not sure what something is, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Carl. We're going to take a brief break here, and we're going to come back with our showstopper segment. And it's going to be a pretty interesting topic, and it's actually going to stem from our earlier conversation at the beginning of the episode. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Independent contractors in the professional wrestling industry, if you're looking for a way to put the power of the media in your own hands, contact Pinned LLC. Pinned LLC is media and marketing for the professional wrestling industry. It's your one-stop, one-click online profile and so much more. With Pinned, you'll receive a full background story, photo gallery, an interview conducted with you, links to all your social media and where you can be booked, and yes, a 60-second custom television commercial all about you. Get more info today. Email pin.biz at gmail.com. That's pin.biz at gmail.com. Or click the icon at thegorillaposition.com to get more info about pin. Remember, get connected, get booked, get pinned. What's up, Geeks, Freaks, and Geeks? This is Jargo from the Hidden Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast right here at the Roar Network. And you are listening to Turnbuckle Talk with Joe and Carl. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys. We have made it to that special point of the show that we like to call the Show Stopper Segment. Yeah. This week we have a fairly interesting one, Carl. It's a pretty broad and pretty big topic here. And this revolves around, like I said, loosely with our first discussion for uh, the episode here with uh, Undertaker and Goldberg. When is it the right time to call it a day in professional wrestling? You want the um, answer from someone who's been in the business and in the ring before? Absolutely. When your body says that's enough. When your body and your mind 
both together collectively make the agreement that it is time for you to end, that's when. Now, the other aspect of that, do you really need to? Mm -hmm. Do you really need to wait until that point? Because in the mind of a professional wrestler, I would love to be able to get back into that ring right now and just continue working. Physically, I can't. So my head and my body have both told me uh, right now I am done. If I had the opportunity yeah. to, I'd probably get back into the ring yeah. and sacrifice my health and my body for it. Now, but do I need to? No. Now, would you say it would be a fair statement here that your passion, like not just, I'm not talking to you, I'm just talking specifically um, in general with professional wrestlers. Is it a fair statement to say that your passion and, and love for wanting to wrestle professionally could cloud your judgment when it comes to the situation to where you just, you have such a passion for that you realize that maybe you really shouldn't be doing it anymore is whether you're just, you're getting too old or you just can't really go in there anymore. Could it just be clouding the, your judgment? You, definitely. It could be. I mean, not even just in, in the professional wrestling world, take a look at like even the music industry, mm. the acting industry, anything like that. I mean, if you can't go out there as an artist and play that guitar the way that you used to anymore, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's it, it kind of comes down to the same thing. If you are an actor and you can't remember your lines anymore and you're having to do, you know, uh, 100 takes to get 30 seconds of, of uh, you know, video, maybe it's time to stop. But your passion and your love for doing what you have done and what you have known your entire life clouds your judgment. Mm -hmm. You then believe that it doesn't matter. You can do this. It, it Nothing's going to stop you. So, yeah, in that aspect, the passion and the love that you have is definitely going to cloud your judgment. I think that, to it really, really depends on the person. I'm going to pick three very different examples when it comes to this. The first example I'm going to pick is Andre the Giant. Yeah. There is a guy that regardless of what was going to happen or whatnot, he was going to always be a professional wrestler. Whether he died in that ring, that's what he was going to do. He was a guy that just he was just going to keep doing it regardless because of just the persona and the legend and everything of him. Yep. Another example, The Undertaker. He's one of those guys that is going to... Just kind of keep going on, almost to a fault, as we saw in the Saudi Arabia show. People are still going to love him. This is going to leave kind of a bad taste in people's mouth, more than likely. But there's enough good stuff there to, you know, to keep us going and that keep our faith in the Undertaker. A third example, very different from these two guys, is Jushin Thunder Liger. There is a guy who is just ageless. I, I, I'd have to look it up. I don't even know how old he is. But he can still go the same as he can now to as when I first saw him in WCW. So it really depends on on the person. And just, I don't know, just how well they keep their body up or, or, or what it is, the mental state or the combination of those. There, there's, it really depends on the person. There's really no right or wrong answer to how long you should be a professional wrestler for. Yeah. No, you're right. There is no... 
there is no answer to that. There definitely is not. It's very subjective and it is on a talent to talent basis. Mentioned in a previous episode, Christopher Daniels, 49 years old, and he looks better than some of the younger guys. PCO. <laughs> yes, we mentioned right? it before. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm looking it up on the fly here. Jason Thunderlager, 54 years old and still going strong. So. So, I mean, PCO and Jushin Thunder Liger, same age. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're both still... Still going. Still going. Still, still going kicking just ass. Just really <clears throat> honing in on everything they've got. And, and I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know any of those answers. But they still have it. And they can still go in that ring. Yep. Unlike some of the other names that you have mentioned. Yep. That unfortunately, it seems to be um, just a, a matter of their prime has been, you know, overdrawn yep. very much so. But you have to take into account as well the amount of work that's been done, too. Lifestyle choices, too, can be a yeah. big impact, right? Where you get somebody that's hitting up the bar, uh, the after show all the time, and you get somebody like like Liger who clearly has taken care of himself over the years and it shows he can still go, you know, and then we get to the other extreme where you get into like Hulk Hogan territory where, you know, he's still a bigger, larger than life kind of persona, but has no business stepping back into a wrestling ring under any circumstances. And I know I'll get some heat for that statement, but he is the prime example of, and you know that he's just itching to get back in there and that uh, Vince is eager to get him back in there too. But he is the prime example of just don't do it. Yeah. And I mean, coming back to, <laughs> to my statement there, I think it, it all depends on as well, the amount that you have worked. Yes. I mean, you take a look, you, we, we talk about the undertaker, right? Yep. And then we talk PCO. Well, there's a huge difference. There. <laughs> huge difference. Huge difference. I, I, I honestly, I would even go as far as saying that there's a, a big difference between the amount of work that like the undertaker has done mm-hmm. uh, and Jushin Thunder Liger. Yes. Right. Like Jushin Thunder Liger, I'm sure has been continuing to wrestle quite frequently since his days in WCW, mm-hmm. but probably not to the same caliber that the undertaker was doing yeah. going out there anywhere from 165 to 300 days and in, in the year. Right. So it, it, it you got to kind of take that into a factor as well. How much of your body has actually been used and abused within the professional wrestling world. A term that we've occasionally kind of hinted at on, on this podcast and I've heard in other places as well is punching your, your, uh, your bump card. Now there are some that are better at this than others. I mean, there are Joy Janela is uh, an extreme example of a guy that's going to use up that punch card real fast, right? Uh, he, he loves, he works a very aggressive style and then you get somebody I think a really good example of this on the other uh, end of the spectrum is The Miz. There is a guy that can still put on really, really good entertaining matches, but he doesn't have to kill himself to do it. So you see yeah. the two extremes. And I, I see a lot of that too in, in uh, MJF as a similar kind of approach where, I mean, not necessarily that less is more, but that you can still put on a really, really entertaining match and not have to destroy your body in, in the process. Yep. You're right. So, and uh, there's room for both approaches, 
but you can see that, you know, when it comes to longevity of careers, it really favors the guys that can, uh, you know, not beat the crap out of themselves. Yeah. So, all right, Carl, that about uh, wraps up for this week. But before we go, we have to make sure and talk about our sponsors. As always, we are so thankful for our sponsors. Hit us up on social media if you want to become a sponsor for the greatest and hottest Canadian pro wrestling podcast duo. Hit us up on our social medias at TV Talk Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current sponsors that we have include HypeCityVapors.com. I am a vapor. And if you are too, go and check them out for some amazing flavored e-juice. Use promo code JKPODCAST for 15% off your entire order. Our friends over at CollarAndElbowBrand.com are continuing to break the barriers when it comes to professional wrestling wear. We want to help them become the new standard when it comes to hype wear out there. Though we know we've got the big ones. There's like tapped out and there's under armor. We want collar and elbow to be synonymous with professional wrestling just as under armor is synonymous with those other sports. Go and check out collarandelbowbrand.com made by our friend Al Snow. Yes, former professional wrestler Al Snow created this brand Use promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. 10% off your entire order, including clearanced merchandise. Check them out. JKPODCAST at the checkout. Absolutely. And of course, to listen to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, on Google Play Music, iTunes, and the majority of those other podcasters out there as well. And of course, we are powered by the GorillaPosition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network. And presented by the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. If you go to hittingthemarks.com, you can find the rest of the network there as well. All right, Carl, that wraps up for this week. And we'll see you guys on the next one. See you real soon. Hi, this is Alvis, host of Tables, Tabbers and Chairs, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Talk on the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. Cheerio.